0: Greetings and welcome to the Mount Calvary Nation podcast hosted by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, where our pastor is the Reverend S.N. Winston, Jr. We thank you for joining us and hope that this episode blesses you.
1: Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going, verse 9. International Version of the Holy Scriptures. Here's how it begins. This then is how you should pray. That's enough. From the King James Version, it reads like this. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Verse 9, the A clause. Matthew chapter 6, you may be seated. If we're only going to take a half verse at a time, this is going to take us forever. (laughs) It won't be a half verse every week. But this morning we begin our study of what the Bible says about prayer. Prayer, our conversation, our communication with our Father. Prayer. The way we communicate with the one who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even imagine. Prayer, the method by which not only do we communicate with him, but he communicates with us. Prayer, the saint's first defense, not our last resort that which should be the foundation of everything else that we do, both individually and collectively as the Church of the Living God. And so over the next few weeks, we want to look at authentic, genuine, believing prayer. What that looks like, not what it has come to be in the modern religious sense, But we want to look at what does the Bible reveal about prayer. After all, if it is in the Word of God, we know we can trust it. And so what I'm asking of you is that whatever we're coming into this study thinking we know about prayer. Do you hear what I'm saying? That whatever we come into this study thinking we know about prayer, that we wouldn't put what the Bible says up against what we think we know. But we will put what we think we know up against what the Bible says. It is the pattern. If it's in the Word of God, we know we can trust it. And so forgive me, but we are really not looking for man's take, for some preacher's supposed revelation that cannot be backed up with Scripture. We are going straight to the source. We're going to the original pattern to find out how our Father wants to communicate with us and us with Him. And we're starting with what we look we're starting with a look at what we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Now, I must say that there are those who consider this prayer elementary or somehow not enough, but saints, it is the primary model that we have for what prayer looks like. This type of praying we know God hears. And we know that this type of praying will allow us to tap into his will, to his purpose, and to his power. And that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to discover how to tap in, tap into the power that God has made available to us. How we tap into the victorious kingdom living that awaits us when our will lines up with his. Amen. And so today we are starting this series, Tap In the Power of And purpose of prayer and it is most appropriate that our first teacher in this series would be God's only begotten Son Jesus the Christ right and so when we see to when we see Jesus in today's scripture he is preaching he has uh, according to Matthew chapter 5 this is uh, this is what theologians call the Sermon on the Mount Jesus goes up onto a mountainside When he sees all the people and he sits down and they follow him up there and he begins to teach his disciples his students I think that's one of the things that we leave off when we look at this passage that this teaching isn't it wasn't for everybody because everybody didn't follow him up the mountain he didn't preach this in the marketplace where everybody could hear it, He taught this to those who were willing to be taught. to his disciples, to his students. And he starts out pointing he starts by pointing out several groups of people that he says are blessed. Listen to how the message Bible puts it. I, I love how the message Bible puts it. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less of you there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. you are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you've ever eaten. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Right. You're blessed when you com- when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, verses 11 and 12, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out. Or speak lies about you to discredit you what it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable (laughs) you can be glad when that happens give a cheer even for though they don't like it I do he says and all heaven applauds and know that you're in good company my prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble the Beatitudes that's called then he goes on to talk about who his students his disciples are he says you are salt and light you exist to flavor the world not for the world to flavor you you exist to bring light into dark spaces right so he gets down to verse 16 so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works And glorify your father which is in heaven that's who you're supposed to be and then he continues his sermon talking about who he is and what he came to do he said I didn't come to destroy the law I came to fulfill it and he goes on you can read all this he goes on to talk a little bit about murder and adultery and divorce and loving even your enemies. kingdom stuff right and that that takes us into chapter 6. Chapter 6, where he opens up talking about those who only give so that they can be seen giving. (laughs) He says, when you help somebody out, you don't have to sound the trumpet You don't have to call attention to what you're doing. I believe if he were preaching in 2022, I wonder would he, I I, I just have a sneaking suspicion that he would say, when you help somebody out, you don't have to post it on Facebook that you help somebody out. He would probably say, Mount Calvary, you don't have to call the news media every time you have an outreach. He says, be careful, because that's what the hypocrites do. (laughs) But that's not where we're going today. (laughs) Here is where he starts teaching about prayer. It starts at verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray. I've preached from this from that verse before if not not if but when right those who are disciples of christ those who are his students his pupils his followers we pray that's It's part of what we do. It's part of who we are. When you pray, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, he doesn't name names here, but that word hypocrite in the Greek literally means actor, right? Don't be a stage player. Don't be like those actors, those imposters, those fake phony people who are just putting on don't be like that they love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners where everybody can see them and all they want is to make an impression on people and they get exactly what they're looking for they are just looking to be seen and that's all they get they put on great performances don't be like that don't Don't do that. Instead, Jesus says, you find yourself a secret closet and go in and tell the Lord what's on your heart. Now, saints, you do recognize that Jesus was not saying every time that you pray you have to get in a closet. But it is a posture of the heart. There are times when we have to shut ourselves off from the world. There are times when we cannot be concerned about what other people are seeing or hearing. There are times when we need to steal away and tell the Lord what's on your heart because sometimes you have to dismiss distractions. There are times when you have to separate yourself from some stuff and from some people and from some environments. There are times when we have to detach and isolate and withdraw. There are times when we have to go in and shut the door. And the Bible says your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There are times when you have to, uh, how do do I say it properly, Um, when you can't pray and be doing something else pastor i pray all day i pray while i'm vacuuming i pray while i'm cooking i pray while i'm working i pray while i'm filling out pi- papers that's great we should pray without ceasing but there are times when there should be no end. Oh <clears throat> ah but there is another admon- admonition he says when you pray don't be like the hypocrites that's the actors who are just performing but also don't be like the heathens the ones who don't even know me the hypocrites they just want to be seen and the heathens they they just want to be heard (laughs) they use vain repetitions don't do that they literally they speak the same things over and over again to use a lot of words when a few words will do Jesus says those people just want people to hear how many words they can use use a whole lot of words and say a little nothing Oh, she can really pray. She can pray for Jesus said, don't, don't do that. And sometimes we do it not because we're trying to be wordy, but because we think we have to pray like we heard somebody else pray. like Reverend so-and-so used to pray or like deacon so-and-so prays or like the old saints used to pray with the king's English and flowery language. Listen, you don't use thee and thou in your speaking. (laughs) And so if we are not careful, it can become insincere. Because God speaks Old English, yes, he does. And he speaks Ebonics. Yes, he does. Just talk to him. I promise you that God is God enough to understand. He speaks whatever language you do. He is big enough, bad enough, loving enough to take whatever language you speak. And by the time his spirit gets a hold of it, He translates it himself. I'm in the word. We don't even know what we ought to pray for, the Bible says. But the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Is there anybody in here right now that knows that God is able to take even your moaning, even what your heart cannot say through your mouth, And translated it and it somehow reaches his I listen, y'all know y'all know I appreciate the way the saints used to pray. I pre I appre- most holy and all wise God <laughs> thou who rulest wind and water, thou who by thy powerful hand hast brought us thus far on the way listen, that's beautiful, poetic, pretty language but I'm coming to understand that there are times when I'm in trouble that those pretty flowery words just don't come to me it's nice to know that not only does God hear proper flowery English but he also hears fix it Jesus Lord have mercy he hears that (laughs) all I can get out sometimes is Lord help me Lord save sometimes all I can get out is Jesus (laughs) and he hears me Mm -hmm. and he comes to my rescue Jesus concludes these admonitions he sums it up in in verse 8 he says don't be like that and here's why here's why because your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Now on to verse 9 that was read in your hearing. After this manner, therefore pray ye. NIV says, this then is how you should pray. Now, I've been struggling looking at this text because as a student of the Word, when we are studying a familiar text like this one, I mean, uh, people who don't even know the Lord are familiar with what we call the Lord's Prayer, right? And when you have a passage that you have read so many times, you have to be careful that you don't bring what you think you know to the table. And as I was preparing for today, there is something that jumped out at me. I, I told my wife, I was struggling with it because I'm trying to see the passage with new eyes, and uh, there is something that jumped out at me that I've never noticed before. There is something in verse 9 that requires us to stop and take a look before we head into the model prayer. There is one word. There is an adverb. You remember what an adverb is. It is a simple word that points you backwards. It is a word that modifies a verb or an adjective or another adverb. Point, this word points you backwards to see what the word is therefore and the word is therefore when I have quoted this I have misquoted it after this manner pray ye but the bible says after this manner therefore pray ye." in other words there is a reason that I'm telling you to pray like this the pattern that I'm about to give you is based on some previous knowledge. In other words, since these things are true, pray like this. Since this is the case, this is how you should pray. But what is the case, Reverend? What are the truths that this pattern of prayer is based on? What is the therefore, therefore? Well, that's what we're going to take a look at with the time that we have left. Let me preach uh, from this subject. Since this is true, pray like this. Say that with me. Since this is true, pray like this. I believe that the answer to the looming question, the reason for the therefore statement that Jesus makes in verse 9 is contained in verse 8 when he says, you don't have to be like the heathen because your father knows what you need before you ask him. Did you catch that? All three points are right in that statement. There are three truths contained in this short sentence I want to point out to you today. First of all, number one, are you ready? He is our father. He's our daddy. And we talk to him like he's our father we are children of the most high God we've been born again we have been born of the spirit of God it is our nature to talk to our father because when you've been born again when you know that God is your father who is always listening who is never sleeping when you know that God is your father who created all things who sustains all things who knows all things when you know that God is your father who never fails who never makes a a mistake when you know that God is your father who can do anything when you know that you can approach his throne of grace with confidence you are talking to somebody who loves you this is not some unjust ruler who doesn't even know your name he's your daddy see what manner of love The Father has bestowed on us 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. He's our Father, the one who created us, the one who sustains us, who who has numbers for every hair on your head. The one whose air we breathe, whose space we take up. He's our father. And can I tell you something that I hope will make a difference in the way we approach him? He is not a deadbeat. He didn't make us and then leave us. And I believe that for some, that's probably a hurdle to jump over because the earthly pattern of fatherhood that you've seen does not reflect who the heavenly father is. But I want to tell you, don't get tripped up on the example you had on earth. That's why you've got to get to know the heavenly father for yourself. He is not... A deadbeat. He's right there with us, walking with us, talking with us, carrying us when we don't have the strength, picking us up when we stumble, cleaning us up when we fall, straightening us up when we get out of line. Lifting us up when we're down. He's our Father. He's our protector. He's our provider. He's our way maker, our miracle worker, promise keeper, our light in the darkness. The old folk used to say, He's my company keeper. He's my mother to the motherless. He's a father to the fatherless, a friend to the friendless. He is our Father. And when we talk to Him, when we pray, we can talk to him like he's our wonderful, gracious, everlasting father. As a matter of fact, there are times when even when we are unaware of his presence, he is not unaware of ours. I was in Nashville for the Sunday School Publishing Board, Monday through Thursday of this week. By the time I came home, got home from the airport on Thursday night, my girls were in the bed, they were asleep. They didn't know that I came into their rooms to check on them, make sure they're breathing, to kiss them good night, and went back out. They had no clue I was there, but I'm their father. And even when they didn't know I was watching, I was. Then I had to fly out Uh, Friday morning, Nate and I went down to visit Morehouse. We flew out uh, Friday and we came back yesterday. When we came back last night, the girls were in their beds and Parker was asleep when I went in and I kissed her on her forehead, made sure she was breathing. She came down to greet me this morning. She said, Dad! (laughs) And she made a comment. How excited she was to see me. She said, But you're not as excited to see me. I said, because this isn't my first time seeing you. When I came home from the airport last night, I came into your room and I saw that you were sleeping, and I kissed you on your forehead. I made sure you were all right. Because even when you were not aware of my presence. He is our father. (laughs) A father who loves us so much. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But a father who loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die in our place. Pastor Lloyd Hayes said he paid for it. it We cost him twice. We cost him breath at creation, and we cost cost him blood at salvation. He paid twice for us. He's our Father. When, When you pray, you can pray like this because he's your Father. Uh, but there is a second fact, a second truth that Jesus says we can count on when we pray. It's in the text. Not only is he our father, but number two, he knows. He knows what we need. When you pray, you can pray like this because he's your father and because he knows what you need. He knows what you need. Psalm 147 verse 5 says his understanding is infinite. He counts the number of stars and has a name for every one of them. Hebrews 4.13, no creature is hidden from his sight. Everything is open and laid bare before him. He knows. He, If you have listened to me for any length of time, you already know what Psalm 139 says. He knows when I sit down. Yes. He knows when I get up. He knows my thoughts before I think them. He knows my words before I say them. He knows. He knows just what I need. Can I tell you something? He knows every door that I need open. Yes. And he knows every door I need shut. He knows when I need deliverance from the fire. And he knows when I need him to get in the furnace with me. He knows when I need to be kept out of the lion's den. But he also knows when to just make the lions go to sleep. He knows when I need the mountain moved. And he knows when I need strength to climb. I'm trying to be for real. He knows when I need the storm to stop. And He knows when I just need peace because this storm ain't over. He knows what I need. And when we talk to our Father, we are talking to somebody who knows what we what we need all right number one he's our father number two he knows what we need i'm trying to help us to see what jesus is has put the therefore therefore you can pray like this because he knows what you need here's number three he already knows you can pray like i'm about to teach you because your father already no he doesn't know because you're about to tell him <laughs> he tells us the truth about who he is our father he trues, he tells us the truth about what he knows that's what we need and he tells us the truth about when he knows it and that's before we ask that means brothers and sisters we are not praying to inform him <laughs> That ought to lighten our load a little bit, right? Because now we don't have to worry about giving God directions when we pray. (laughs) That ought to to lighten the load a little bit because we don't have the burden of trying to tell the Lord what to do. We don't have to give him his marching orders. When we pray, We are not assigning the Lord specific tasks. We are not commanding him to do anything. When we pray, we are not giving him information that he doesn't already have. We are not briefing him on our current situation so that he can decide what he's going to do about it. I don't know about for you, but for me, that takes a load off. For me, that's encouraging. That helps me in my praying because he already knows. That's why I'm not worried about whether I use the right words or whether I have the right formula because he already knows what my need is. As a matter of fact, he knew before I did He knew my need before I knew I had a need. And so, whatever I'm going through, before I got to my go-through, he already knew. Whatever my situation, he already knew. Before I got the report from the doctor, he already knew. He sees the secret things. He knows what I haven't even uttered. He already knows what we need. He already knows when we need it. He already knows how we need it. He already knows where we need it. He already knows what time we need it. And so I don't have to worry when I pray, so I don't have to be upset when I pr- Listen, he knows already. He knows. He knows about that spouse that won't act right. He already knows about that child that's headed in the wrong direction. He knows. He knows about the pain in your body. He knows about the enemies on your job. He already sees the secret meetings before they decided to meet. Mm. Jesus says he knows my need already. And then Paul follows it up Philippians chapter 4 but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you'll have to come back so that we can delve into pray like this, what that, what that looks like. But there is a foundation in verses eight and nine before we even get to our father which art in heaven that we need to understand. Um, You have a father who knows what you need and he knows it before you ask it so when you approach him you can approach him like he's your daddy who already knows what you need and knew it before you knew it um i am not the example of fatherhood by far but last night Nate and I were coming back from Atlanta. I opened up my Delta Airlines app. Um, I said, "You can you can upgrade with your points you have." Yes, yeah, thank you. I believe I will. I was <laughs> I was born for plush seating. <laughs> so I <laughs> so I opened up and uh, and they let me. I opened up Nate's ticket and they let me upgrade his to first class. I said, all right, let me go back in and do mine. And I guess I was too slow. Because by the time I tried to upgrade mine, it wouldn't let me. Well, I told Nate, you are Samuel Winston Jr. I'm Samuel Winston III. Because, as the one who purchased the tickets, it would have been within my power and my prerogative to do so. But I'm his father, and I want the best for my child. I've flown first class before, no problem. But he hasn't. And I want him, and and I'm telling you, all of this went on in my head. I want him to experience what it's like to fly up there. And I want him to experience it. I'm just telling you what was in my head. Because I want him to finish college because if he finishes college then he will likely over a lifetime earn about a million dollars more than if he doesn't finish because I got a plan for my son Mm -hmm. and I want him to understand that if he finishes college he may not be able to buy a first class ticket but statistically it'll come easier And so, they said, now boarding, section one. He got up like, see ya. (laughs) And sat down in first class, and by the time the rest of us got on the plane, you know, they were drinking, and I'm sure it was water in this thing. And I went back to the back and squoze in that little seat. Because as a loving father, I have a plan for my child. And I know what my child needs. And I sacrifice for my child. You have a loving father. Who knows exactly what you need, who has a plan for you, and who has sacrificed for you. How did he do that? I'm so glad you asked me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You're not begging some wicked man who doesn't know who you are. You're just having a conversation with your daddy who loves you, who knows what's best for you, and who knew it before you did. Is that all right? Are y'all ready to get into this, to get into this study? we're going we're going to approach prayer from the Jesus perspective okay we're going to approach prayer from the bible perspective from the Jesus perspective the only thing i ask is that you would suspend what you already think you know so that we can study together and learn Pray like he said to pray, and I know that we will see the results of the saints praying, believing, biblical prayer. All right, let the church say, Amen. So let it be. If you are here today and you are not sure that he is your father, let me tell you this the fact that you are here and you are breathing. The fact that you still have breath in your body. says that you still have an opportunity to get it right with God through Jesus Christ. You can know before you leave here today that he's your father. You were born once, yes, but you were born in sin. And the Bible says you must be born again. You got to be born of his spirit. The good news is that he loved you so much. He loved everybody for God so loved the world check this out that is everybody without any exceptions God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that's Jesus Christ That whosoever believes in him that's anybody without exception anybody whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's the gospel that's the good news If you're not sure you're saved if you came in here and you're not sure you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity and I gotta tell you all of us are gonna spend eternity somewhere but you can know that you're going to spend yours with Jesus Christ. That's good news. Here's what the Bible says. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. That's good news. If you're here and you're not sure you're saved, not sure where you're going to spend eternity, would you raise your hand? We can tell you how you can be saved today if you're in here you're not sure you're saved please don't leave out the same way please don't if you're at home you're watching us wherever you are you're not sure you're saved would you send us a message if you want to be saved today send us a message in uh, DM us put it in the chat somebody is monitoring right now somebody will call you shortly and tell you how you can give your life to Christ listen we cannot promise an easy walk Brother Ted Akins used to say, it's a worthy walk. It's not easy, but it's worth it. That's the first call. If you're here and you're not sure you're saved, if you're online, you're not sure you're saved, you can be saved today. Second call is this. You're saved already. You know where you're going to spend eternity, but you know the Lord wants you in this place as your church home. If that's you, if you're here, would you raise your hand? Somebody will come to you and give you some information and get some information from you if you know you're supposed to be a part of the Mount Calvary family if you're in the building raise your hand if you're at home send us a message in the chat Uh, send us a private message whatever you can call the church 268-6737 but let us know that, that you believe you're supposed to be here. Those two calls, if you're not sure you're saved or if you know that the Lord wants you here. If you're here, you can raise your hand. If you're at home, you can send us a message. Everybody in the building is saved and is where you know you belong. Then let the church say amen. So be it. Good. Let's get ready to recommit ourselves to each other and to the Lord by way of the church covenant. I will read where it says leader, and you will respond where it says people. It will be here on the screen. If you would, if you're able, would you join us standing? Having been led as we believe... uh, Yes, okay, we'll, we'll do that in just a second. Thank you. Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now in the presence of God and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of its ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotion, to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our deportment, exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to abstain from anything that the Bible calls sin, and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage, watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to aid one another in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. We moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Let the church say amen. You may be seated. Is there anyone who has been overlooked for the communion elements? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. In commemoration of what Jesus has done for us, he has taken our place. The wages, the payment for sin is still death. But Jesus took that death on himself. And so now we'll never even see death. Did you hear that? If the Lord tarries, we'll lay these earth suits down. But we'll never see death. Because Jesus died once for all. If you're communing with us for the first time here at Mount Calvary, we practice what is known as open communion. That is to say, you don't have to be a member of this church to partake. But what we do ask is that you would do as the Apostle Paul has commanded, and that is let a man examine himself. You are not examining to see if you have sinned since the last Lord's Supper that doesn't require examination. You are examining to see where you stand in relation to what Jesus has done about that sin problem. If you are a part of the Father's family, no matter what household, if you're a part of his family through Jesus Christ, you are welcome at the Father's table. Has everyone been served? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for loving us so much to give Jesus in our place. Thank you for his body given, for his blood shed. Lord, bless the elements that we're about to receive. Show us what's really going on beyond just the symbolism. We're grateful are grateful for calvary in jesus name amen on the night that jesus was betrayed he took bread gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples and said this bread is my body given for you now take and eat all of it After supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples and said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for the payment, for the remission of sins. Now take and drink all of it. And we thank God for Jesus. Ah! Oh. he doesn't already know, okay? All right, let's get into this, let's get into it. Good. Uh, Minister Chris, you come on and you can get ready to close us out. Thank you all so much. Um, I must admit, I'm a little confused. Did we go to Bradfield's church last week? Two weeks ago. All right, thank you for, um, thank you for coming over to to Resurrection to help support over there. They have a $62,000 Uh, debt on their building that they're trying to recover that they are trying to get out from under they are believing God that they are going to pay off their entire building between now and March and we're going to join our faith with theirs and uh, and those who are able if you want to join your pocketbooks with theirs you can do that too but we are going to watch God do what he said he would do. I couldn't wait to share the testimonies of what God has done in this church and with this building. And and thank you all for your support. I think that's all I got.
2: going to get ready to get out of here, but we don't want to stop our worship there. We want to continue our worship with giving, and we have many ways of giving here at Mount Calvary. You can give by text to give, and that number is 855-908-0710, or you can give by cash app, that is dollar sign M-T-C-A-L-M-B-C, or by Giveify. It's an app. You tap, you give, or you're done or maybe you're very traditional and you want to put your money in an envelope you can put it in the hands of the deacons as you're exiting the sanctuary and for those of you who are watching online you can come by the church and drop your offering off they'll be here till about 12:30 or you can bring it up through the week between the hours of 10 and 6 pm i believe if there's nothing else let's stand for the benediction then i ask that you sit back down and we'll go under the direction of the ushers to make sure that we leave in a proper manner being that we are still in the midst of a pandemic now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy To the only wise God, our Father, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Let all the saints who agree together say, Amen. Amen.